From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. Hi there, this is Sean Doran, fire captain and PIO. Today we're here to introduce something a little bit new. It's going to be an audio version of our Ask the Chief segment we usually show online. So whether you choose to listen to it here on the podcast or watch it online, we want to make sure to let you know it's out there in both versions, and we're excited to make this a regular thing going forward. So without further ado, here's Fire Chief Brian Fennessy. Hello, everybody. Fire Chief Brian Fennessy here for the February Ask the Chief. I'm here today with one of our PIOs, Captain Sean Duran. Sean, glad to see you. You too. Thanks for having me here today. Question number one. I'm going to get right out of the chute. We spent a million dollars on CityGate. There have been no changes in rollouts on any of the cities. What is the status and when will we see the changes? You know, I, I, can't, I can't comment on, on the cost because I don't recall what the, the total cost of the uh, organizational service level assessments ended up being. Uh, but there have been changes and I, and I can comment a bit on that. Uh, when I got here in uh, early 2018, being the new chief, and uh, there were several uh, challenges at the time, some public, some uh, very much internal, um, I got with executive management and determined that we really needed to do uh, some assessments of our major departments, uh, divisions, and sections. Um, in the end, uh, we identified eight areas uh, to be evaluated, to be audited, for lack of a better word, perhaps performance audits. We call them SLAs. Uh, early on, I believe it was ECC, human resources, executive management. I wanted my team in my floor to also be evaluated and not exempt from that. Uh, we did a standards of coverage uh, on field operations and did a number of others, EMS. We, we did a deep dive. We wanted to pull the sheets back and take a look at what was going well and maybe what wasn't going as well, what we could do better. Uh, we hired uh, CityGate and Associates. They had a long history of doing these type of assessments uh, for agencies big and small. I thought they did a great job. We just ended in November the last two service level assessments, the SLAs. One was for business services and one was for community risk reduction. All of these uh, assessments are available on the Hive. And in fact, we'll superimpose here the, uh, the web address if people are interested in seeing you know, the assessments, the recommendations, the staff reports. I believe there's video of the presentations to you know, the board. And uh, I'm pleased to say that we have made a number of changes, uh, mostly changes that there were no cost to the organization. Some of them were, were realignments and organizational changes. Some were, quite frankly, already in process. Those changes that require, you know, significant uh, budget adjustments, you know, will be taken to the board at some point for approval. So I encourage everybody out there to take a, a look. If you want to know more about the organization, um, those service level assessments are outstanding. So please do go look at those. And uh, that was a really great question. I appreciate that. Well, I know there's a lot of great info in there. So thank you for making it more readily available for us on the Hive as well. All right, Chief, question number two. As we all know, there has been a significant increase in service and response times from the ambulance companies. Are we working with politicians or the county to rectify the problem? What options are being considered or looked into? 
Yeah, it is an issue. And we started to recognize it last spring uh, simply by listening to the radio. I mean, initially, as we started to uh, hear units asking for locations of ambulances, both Code 3 and, and Code 2 responding ambulances, and following up with asking the Code 2 ambulances to respond Code 3. That was kind of the first sense that, hey, something's going on here uh, that's causing our officers, our units out in the field to ask that the ambulances, you know, gum Code 3 to get there to scene a little bit faster. So uh, we had our ECC staff and IT staff start to really look at the data on the responses, and we're definitely seeing an increase and you know, for us, what I share with what I've shared with the county, with anybody that asks, is we, you know, the fire service here in Orange County, we are the ALS service providers. We provide EMS services here in the county, just the fire department. The ambulance companies provide the transportation of our patients to the hospitals. They're an integral part of the system, but they're not the service delivery piece. We are. And if we're waiting at scene longer than the performance, the contract performance measure requirements, you know, consist of, that means that's less calls that we're responding to for people that need our, gen, our, our help that are genuinely uh, injured and or sick. So that's a problem in the EMS service delivery. Uh, we met with the county in September, the county EMS, myself, Chief Black, and shared our concerns with both EMS. And at the time, uh, the care ambulance management was in the room. And we were assured that other than August, that response times were actually compliant. And to give you a little bit of perspective, you know, for a code three ambulance response in our exclusive operating areas, our EOAs that we respond to in our service territory, is for code three, 10 minutes from the time of call receipt or when we send the CAD request to the time the ambulance arrives, for time of arrival. 10 minutes, 95% of the time, that's the measure. For code two or, or you know, the less emergent uh, responses, and there's about seven, there's seven response types that uh, require code three. You know, stabbings, shootings, non-breathers, drownings, those sorts of really critical uh, emergencies. Any unit could obviously increase that to code three if they have something upon scene, but those out the door are code three. The code two responses are again, from time of call receipt to the time of ambulance arrival, 15 minutes, 95% of the time. So we requested, uh, formally requested that information, that data from county EMS. We wanted to view it ourselves because we could not fathom that, you know, the ambulance companies were compliant when we know we we're experiencing delays. We're hearing that from the field. We're now getting reports of companies, you know, having to figure out other methods of patient transportation because the patients were either too sick or too injured to wait for an ambulance. That's a problem. For the first time uh, since I've been here, and from what I'm told since service delivery began in this county, we've been told that there were no ambulances available, zero ambulances available, unheard of. So a couple things happened. In the background, operations was starting to dust off and configure some of the older vans that we have in the, uh, 
in the back lot in case we needed to take matters into our own hands and, and provide ambulance response, whether we needed to stage them, we needed to do whatever we needed to do. Um, so that was going on in the background. What we're being told by EMS is there aren't any, you know, other than the month of August, there's no response time issues. And, and I'll back up a little bit. You know, the response time challenges that we're facing aren't just here in Orange County. They're happening all over the state of California. And for the most part, much of it has to do with what we would call wall time, right? That amount of time that our medics and the ambulances need to stay, the crews need to stay with those patients until the hospitals take them from us, until we, we, we transfer the patient over to hospital care. The hospitals are, are short nurses, you know, the pandemic has impacted them significantly, so they're not just taking our patients when we get them there, you know, off our hands, causes those ambulances to not be available back in the system. What public safety operators will do, the Anaheims, the Costa Mesas, the Huntington Beaches, the, the public safety, the fire department ambulances, uh, what those fire departments will do is they will staff more ambulances. Because of that, they know that they've got to staff more units to account for that APOT time, the, the out of service time. Well, the challenge here become that Care Ambulance was not doing that. They weren't staffing additional ambulances. The pandemic was really kind of a, um, a get out of jail, if you will. Um, if in fact they were, and, and we're trying to determine this, looking for exceptions when they exceed a response time from the county, who is the contract holder, and they're granted because of the pandemic, there's really no motivation or incentive to add more ambulances in the system. The outcome being that we wait longer it seemed for, for ambulances. Since that time uh, we met, uh, we did not get the uh, data that we requested from OCEMS. We're told that it was protected. Generally it's not. Um, having worked within other systems, that's generally not the case. We met with uh, CEO Frank Kim of the county, uh, Dr. Chow, the healthcare agency director, uh, EMS staff, myself and, and Chief Black and shared our ongoing concerns. By this time, we've requested that all ambulances respond code three, uh, trying to get them fast to our scene so we can get back available faster. And much of what we shared with them, they, they other than the OCEMS staff, they had not heard. And uh, we shared with them that, you know, we've run our own data now. We know when we send a CAD request over to the ambulance company, so we know when the stopwatch starts. And we know when it stops, whether it be through a CAD uh, transmission or through an ambulance crew going at scene, we've got the data. And we shared that data with them and demonstrated that both for code three and code two responses, they were nowhere near 95% compliant for those performance measures. Uh, that certainly got their attention. Uh, they agreed that we would uh, compare the data we have they agreed to sharing with us what the ambulance companies are asking for in terms of exemptions for those responses that exceed the contract uh, performance measurement requirements. Uh, we've asked for AVL connectivity. We initially went to the county and said, please, we're appealing to you to ask the ambulance company, since the county has a contract, to provide us AVL connectivity. Our officers in the field want to know where their ambulances are coming from. Here at ECC, we want to know when we're getting to a drawdown. We don't want a phone call that tells us we're out of ambulances. We want a little bit of forecasting here. 
Um, we have no result. And so just last week, I sent a direct letter to both Care Ambulance and Emergency Ambulance that uh, we want, basically demanding that we want AVL connectivity. That's something that most systems have that are managed by you know, fire departments. And we expect to get that. We will be meeting with emergency ambulance, I believe, in the next couple of weeks. And I look forward to working with CARE on it. I think some of the bigger challenges that we face is that we don't, we don't manage the ambulance operation. The County of Orange is the contracting agency for the ambulance companies, but they're a regulatory agency. They're not an operational, they're not a fire department or police department that, that is used to response and managing those, those types of uh, programs. Uh, we've asked the county to partner with them to the degree we can and allow us to help them understand how operations work. So, um, I don't want to say we're confident. I guess I'm, we're hopeful that response times will improve. I think we're seeing that largely as a result of you know, the pandemic starting to ease. Uh, the surge is, is largely over. We're on the back end of it. So we're seeing wall times start to decrease, which is good for us. So whether or not the ambulance companies are putting more ambulances in service or just they're coming off the wall that much faster, the bottom line is we should be starting to see ambulances arrive when they need to arrive. End of the day, all I want, all our team wants, is ambulances to arrive when they should and on time to get our patients transported to the hospital. So really long answer, but um, I think it, it, it's, it's that notable that I believe you know, our members need to understand you know, the complexities of what's taking place. Um, so we'll probably report on it next month as well. Well, the, the net effect is the service to our citizens. So the work execs doing, IT, uh, ECC, all that, we appreciate it. And we look forward to uh, seeing what happens in the future. Exactly. It's just that simple. We want to arrive on time. It's not much to ask for. I agree. All right, Chief, question number three. It's a multi-parter. First part, can you clarify what the start and end dates are for the upcoming academies? Yes and no. It's, it's pretty... When you say academies, you know, we're talking about, you know, the firefighter paramedic lateral academies. We're talking about the captain's academies, the engineers. We've got a battalion chief academies uh, coming up and there's a lot of overlap. So what I've asked, uh, understanding this may be a question uh, that could get posed, is you know, we're going to send out and perhaps we'll even uh, put on the screen the one pager that shows all of those academies, when they start and how they overlap, because it really is a lot of work that's gone into, into this. Um, I know that uh, we just did family day last Friday for the 41 firefighter paramedics from other agencies that are lateraling over. They're about to start their eight week academies. And we had hoped to have 50 in there, and I believe we had 70 plus finalists as you can imagine, you know, these are individuals that have jobs, that have families, maybe mortgages, kids in school, who knows what, right? And to leave an agency to come somewhere else, that's a huge risk. Um, many of these agencies, if not all of them, you don't get to go back. You don't get to go to Orange County if you decide you don't like it, we'll take you back. Um, it's a pretty significant uh, risk for those that decide they want a lateral. And so it takes a, a pretty big commitment. 
then via backgrounds and some of those other things, the pool largely, you know, narrowed down to about 41, which is great. So we're about to start an eight-week academy for these 41. In the meantime, we've got another about 80 that uh, firefighter paramedics from other agencies that were finalists that are moving on to the next phase for the second eight-week academy, uh, lateral academy, which we believe we'll need based on what we're seeing um, due to retirements and some of those other things. There's a lot of unknowns right now in the firefighter paramedic piece. Uh, how many we'll need because we just don't know until March when folks decide they're going to exercise their retirements. We've got a lot of people out on on uh, workers' comp, but we believe with what we're doing, we'll get a full 50 in that second academy. We should be we should be situated really well. It's my understanding that I believe that after this academy, captain's academy graduates. There'll be a period of time that when the firefighter paramedics graduate, that those, all those, we got 22, I think, in the captain's academy right now. If all of them are successful, they'll all move on. So we've kind of held that academy back to kind of lessen the pain in, in other places. But um, I know I'm kind of all over the map. But when you see what's put up in front of you, you'll see why I'm all over the map. It's really hard to describe. Um, but I am pleased with where we're ending up. We think we're in a pretty good position to do considerable promotions and bring in firefighter paramedics on the back end. And we have still have an August Academy, a standard 16 week basic fire Academy planned. Um, so I think we're in pretty good shape. We'll know a lot more. When we're having this talk next month. We'll know a lot more. Fantastic. I want to give a little plug here to human resources. I had the pleasure to sit on two of the panels for oh, uh, firefighter trainees and firefighter paramedics. And multiple times, the candidate said the instructions were crystal clear from human resources. It was one of the easiest, most straightforward uh, experiences they'd had uh, applying to other departments. So a kudos awesome. to our HR department. It was great. Well, I, you know, I know they're gonna, they'll appreciate that feedback. Um, I get the same feedback, right? When they come and interview with me, many of them will say exactly what you just shared. One of the things I really appreciate, and I, I said this at the... Uh, family day uh, last Friday is they'll share with me, you know, the anxiety of maybe leaving another department, but they'll knock on a fire station door of ours and our folks, you know, they welcome them in, they spend time with them. They, they uh, it's not something they're used to necessarily with their own fire departments. All of them, I, I can't think of any that had anything bad to say about the fire departments they were with. They were grateful, humble, appreciative, but ultimately um, felt that, you know, this organization provided or presented more of a family atmosphere for them. I did not hear one of them uh, share with me or even through the backgrounds that there was a vaccine mandate that was forcing them or, or causing them to come here. It generally was, you know, more of a family atmosphere. I live here in Orange County. I want my family to visit me at the fire station. I can't do that with the fire department I'm at, all of those sorts of things. So we are destination department, but I don't think that's only because of you know, our wages and benefits. We do compensate our employees very well. Um, we make no excuse about that. You know, our firefighters you know, put their lives at risk every day, and, and I believe it's, it's appropriate. Our professional staff uh, come from organizations all over um, all over the country, all over the state, here locally. And we want to keep those 
professional staff. So we don't we don't make any excuses about that. But I will just say that that is not you know the primary reason for people you know to come to the OCFA. We've got a reputation I'm very proud of. So great feedback. I'm sure HR will appreciate that, Sean. Second part to that question. The Engineer Academy has started. Can you share how many are in the Academy and when will they graduate? So HR tells me we have 20 uh, engineers in the process now. And my understanding is they're going to graduate March 10th, which also happens to be the same date that the Captain's Academy will also graduate. I didn't know that much. I did study my notes <laughs> enough to know that much. There's a lot going on. Oh man, there's a lot going on. Very busy times. And the third part of that question, uh, fire captain testing is starting soon or has started. How many are you hoping to get through? And will those be regular length academies? I'm hoping you say you want everybody to get through. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we want, of course we want everybody to get through, you know, but like anything else, I've been doing this a long time. You've been doing this a long time. You know, I can tell you how many times people have told me, well, listen, I. You know, I, I really am not as prepared as I want to be, but I want to have that experience so that when I'm ready, you know, to test, I'll have some background. You know, there's two theories of thought there that, hey, well, then you're kind of wasting the instructor's time. If you're truly not ready, you know, don't waste our time. The other train of thought is, well, that's actually pretty good. Now you're preparing for some, you, you know what you're getting yourself into so that you will be better prepared when you decide this is the time to leap. Uh, what I find though is a lot of those people that think they're not maybe ready get into that academy and go, wow, I actually am ready. And lo and behold, they do get promoted and they become very good officers. So, you know, I think I would encourage everybody to, again, not go into an academy, you know, with a mindset that you might not get promoted, that you're just going to that academy like you did the basic fire academy. When everybody, got hired by the fire department, this department or, or another, they didn't go into it with just their toe in. Well, we'll see how it goes. If I don't get hired here, I'll, you know, I'll keep applying. I'll get hired. No, you know, we all put everything we had into it to get hired. I would say do the same thing for the promotional process. If you are prepared and you're humble enough to ask for help when you're struggling, because we all do, none of these processes are easy. Um, you got to be willing to ask for extra help if you need it and, and, and humble up a bit. You'll get through it. We need, you know, competent officers. Um, we're seeing retirements at rates that, you know, we've not seen. All of the metro departments are. The good news is we've got a flow of people coming up, um, you know, smart people that are going to be very great officers. And um, so we need them. So, no, I, I, to your point without belaboring it any further. I hope everybody that puts in is successful. I will tell you this, that the cadre, um, they're committed to making everybody successful. If somebody is not successful, it won't be because of the cadre. I can assure you that. that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get people through the system. Being in that academy, which by itself is motivating with their fellow academy mates and the cadre behind them, it's, it's a great process and wish them all luck. It's amazing, right? I mean. Uh, I don't know of too many, if not any, other large departments that do what we do. I remember coming here and hearing about, you know, we're going to have pulled these people off the floor and it's going to be their full-time job is to study and make it through the academy. That is not something that's very common. Typically, there's a process like we have a written an interview, a manipulative if it's an engineer exam, 
and then you end up on a list. Um, and when your name's called, that day you become an engineer, you become a captain. It might have been months you know, since the exam, and now you are one. Um, that's not a great way to prep. You know, I love the way we do it here. We, we, we teach you, we show you, you get through this, and then you're promoted. You get the badge. So I, I love what we do here. It's, it's pretty unique. Absolutely, great opportunity. Last question, number four. Now that the Supreme Court case shows other firefighters don't have to get vaccinated, are you worried about these upcoming lateral academies and people leaving to go back to their respective departments? No, not, not so much. Um, you know, the Biden administration, uh, the Supreme Court ruling, I believe it was what, 100 employees or more got, um, got stalled or, or stopped. Uh, that, that hasn't affected, you know, the local courts here in uh, California, and certainly Southern California. Uh, they're remaining, um, committed to you know the vaccine mandates and when i say that I, i'm thinking mostly of uh, los angeles you know los angeles city los angeles county and those folks so that certainly has not deterred you know the supreme court decision has not affected the local court's decisions um, as i mentioned uh, previously there's nobody that i've spoken with nothing that's popped up in the background or anybody out that is that has led us to believe that somebody has left because you know, of a vaccine mandate. Um, I don't believe necessarily that's, that's the attraction. I, in fact, I've, I've talked with some that have come over that said, I'm vaccinated. That's not why I'm leaving. Um, I've got family here. My, my, I mean, there's some other reason. So no, I don't. I mean, and I think this last academy, you know, talking with some of the families and the, the people that are going through the, the 54th academy I don't see that as a barrier at all. What, what I do see is what I mentioned before is, man, you're getting right up to the edge, right? It's okay to test and do all that, but now I've got to take that leap. Do I really want to do this and jeopardize? What if I get injured? What if I fail the academy? All of a sudden I've got kids, I've got a house, I've got all of these things. That is tremendous risk. And so uh, some may get cold feet in the end and, and you can't blame them. But I do believe, based on those we interviewed, those that from this academy, the 54th, that are going to be, that deferred to go into the next academy, we've got a pool now that'll provide 50, you know, firefighter, paramedic uh, candidates for this next academy, the 55th academy. So no, I, I, we don't have much concern about that at, at all. Um, we're grateful. I will tell you that when I talk to the families and the individuals, I thank them first because they really are helping us out of a bind in, in, in understanding that risk that they're taking. I mean, these folks, some of them got eight years, 12 years, you know, more to come here. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty humbling. And so we want to transition them into our workforce uh, best we can. You know, we, reflect back, I wasn't here when Santa Ana came over, but I don't, from what I understand, we didn't give them much of a transition. Uh, I was here, obviously, when Garden Grove came over. I wanna say they got a few, you know, two or three week transition. Well, in many ways, these people are getting an eight week transition. It's an academy, but not like a basic fire academy where you're having to teach new recruits 
you know, about ladders and all these, these, these individuals have experience and good experience. They need to learn to do things our way. So really I kind of view this as more of an eight week transition with elements of an academy being, you know, challenging and physically and running and all the things we do in an academy. But the goal is to get, get all 41 of them through to provide the relief that all of you need out in the field. That's the whole idea of the, the lateral academy is provide that relief that nobody else is right now. Absolutely. Or hats off to them for taking on the challenge. And we look forward to welcoming them here at the OCFA, uh, their families and the firefighters as well. It's going to be, it's going to be a good, uh, yeah, there's process. some good people, man. I, I've met some really, really good people. I think, I, I think the members are going to be very happy with, with who's coming out of the 54th. Fantastic. Well, chief, that wraps up our ask the chief session, uh, for this month. I want to say thank you. I know you're used to seeing Captain Greg Barta sit here. Uh, he said I could have one chance at it. So thank you for being patient as you sat here with me. Maybe we'll get him back here next month. Hey, thank you. And, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing these with uh, you guys and, and Jacob, Sophia, Kevin, and the gang here. But, uh, you know, before I, I check out, I, again, I, I do, I try to do this every month. I, I want to thank the, all of the members of this organization and not just the safety members, our professional staff as well. You know, we're, we're into two years now, this pandemic, and it has changed life in ways that we've, we've all had to adapt. And it's been tough. It's been tough on our families. It's been tough on our friends. And I'm just asking everybody hang in there a little bit longer. There, there, there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel. I, I believe there are areas and of things that we do here in the organization that we'll probably never go back to. But that's okay, because we've also found areas that have, you know, we found improvement and efficiencies. Um, this is our world. You can call it a new norm or you can call it the norm, but I'm very proud of this organization. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we had the Emerald Fire, you know, early February, and I shared this with staff the other day, uh, our executive leadership team, that it was just fantastic to be able to step back and see all the pieces work as they should. This group here with, with community uh, education, our PIOs, our management team individuals, our helicopter pilots, the other agencies, it was just like clockwork. And this is in February at a, fire, at a time when we don't normally get fires. But I couldn't have been prouder of this organization and every member that contributes every day. So I just wanna say thank you very much and I look forward to seeing you at the uh, March Ask the Chief. Get the questions coming in, thank you.